0: Hello again. This is Dr. Rob, and this is the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health. Today, we're going to cover the extremely important subject of breathing. Breathing is very important, and I recommend that each of you practice it every single day. You might think that you already do, but some of you, significant percentage of you actually, are not breathing at times. And let me tell you, that this is causing lots of trouble. Now, today's topic comes from a fellow named Richard, who wanted me to cover some of the topics of middle age. In this case, specifically, sleep apnea. I'm actually somewhat surprised that it wasn't Richard's wife or significant other who sent me the email, as usually they're the ones who first are alerted to the presence of this condition. It's a subtle sign. It's the sound of the freight train emanating from the other side of the bed. So, in honor of Richard, I will cover sleep apnea. The word apnea comes from the Greek words meaning not breathing. The word sleep comes from the English word meaning sleep. That one's kind of tricky. So putting the two together, sleep apnea is a condition where a person stops breathing while sleeping. There are two main reasons a person would stop breathing while asleep. The first is that the brain forgets to tell the body to breathe. This is known as central sleep apnea. The other reason is when the person's airway is blocked by something, making it difficult for the person to breathe. This is known as obstructive sleep apnea and is by far the more common of the two, and so that's going to be the focus of the rest of this podcast. The first sign of airway obstruction is snoring. When a person is lying down, the easiest way to breathe is usually through the nose. This has to do with the anatomy of the airway and basically comes down to the fact that the air can move better through the nose than it can through the mouth. Nasal blockage, either by congestion or by anatomy, makes a person mouth breathe. The result often is a vibration of the soft palate and uvula, you know, that dangly thing on the back of your throat. And the final result of that is being a sound rivaled only by heavy machinery. When the obstruction gets bad enough, the snore turns into apnea, where the person actually has periods of airway obstruction so bad that they stop breathing. The apnea episode, when it's finished, is followed by a gasp of air uh, as the brain gives the breathing muscles an urgent request to start breathing again. The person may wake up with a feeling of not being able to breathe, but more commonly, they're simply aroused to a less deep sleep. Most people would assume that the danger of sleep apnea is actually the person would stop breathing while they're asleep, but this is really not the case. The real dangers of sleep apnea come from other things that are caused by that not breathing. So what are the dangers of sleep apnea? Sleep apnea affects not only the quality of a person's life, but actually the quantity of that life. You wouldn't think of it, but people with sleep apnea are three to six times more likely to die from all causes than people without it. It's a real serious problem. Here's why it's so dangerous. The first reason is actually something you wouldn't think is all that bad. People are very sleepy. Awakening multiple times throughout the night, even if it's not complete awakening, has a huge effect on the quality of sleep. People with this disease will never feel rested. They will often fall asleep frequently throughout the day, not being able to make it through movies, meetings, and even sometimes very fascinating podcasts. There are also much greater risk of getting in automobile accidents, either from poor judgments due to fatigue or from falling asleep at the wheel. The second serious problem of sleep apnea is low oxygen levels. When a person doesn't breathe, the oxygen level in their bloodstream drops. Spending a lot of time with low oxygen can have serious consequences, including elevation of the blood pressure and heart problems, which include arrhythmias, heart attacks, and even heart failure. So who gets sleep apnea? Well, the risk factors for sleep apnea include obesity, cigarette smoking, thyroid problems, nasal congestion, and the shape of the airway. People with a small lower jaw or a low-lying soft palate tend to be snorers. Children can actually snore, as many parents would attest, and they can even have sleep apnea. The main cause for this is enlargement of the adenoids, which, if you remember, is the tonsillar tissue that lies on top of the soft palate. Most sleep apnea is first brought to medical attention by an exhausted spouse or significant other. The witness cessation of breathing can cause great concern. People who live alone are actually at a disadvantage here, so the suspicion has to be high on the part of the physician. A gold standard for diagnosing sleep apnea is called a polysomnogram, or a sleep study. In a sleep study, the person is hooked up to a bunch of wires all over the chest and head, which monitors chest movement, brainwave function, and the oxygen levels in the person's blood. Then they're told to relax and go to sleep while somebody sits in a room and watches them. It's not really all that easy to fall asleep, but fortunately, it doesn't take much sleep to get the needed information. Since it does have such serious consequences, the treatment for sleep apnea needs to be fairly aggressive. The first line of treatment can actually be as simple as sewing a pocket on the back of a nightshirt and putting a tennis ball in it. This makes it impossible for the person to sleep on their back and actually can eliminate snoring and apnea in some people. Losing weight and treating the underlying issues such as thyroid problems can also fix milder sleep apnea. Improving the movement of air through the nose can also help. Those strips that you can put on your nose to open up your nasal passages can help in mild cases of snoring and apnea, and surgery to fix nasal problems like a deviated septum can also improve nighttime breathing. Those people with serious problems with sleep apnea need to be treated more aggressively. The first line of treatment is a machine called a CPAP machine, which stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. This device actually resembles a squid attacking the person's face, but it does work, and it works by pushing a constant pressure of air into the nose throughout the night. This is very effective in eliminating snoring and apnea. It may seem really hard to believe that someone would actually hook one of those things up to their face while they sleep, but the improvement they feel when they finally sleep well is so dramatic that they don't mind the nightly squid attack. Still, there are those who don't tolerate CPAP and so end up requiring surgery and the surgery that's usually used is something called a uvulopalatopharyngeoplasty, which, mercifully, is referred to as a UP3, although I've heard it called a rotorooter by more than one person. This procedure involves removal of the back of the palate, including the uvula, and the widening of the upper airway. It's generally effective, but since it's surgery, it's not without risk. So this brings us to the quick and dirty tips regarding sleep apnea. My first tip is to take it seriously. Sleep apnea can have serious consequences and is not just a problem of waking up the person next to you sleeping. My second tip is to go ahead and get treated. There are many effective treatments that can not only help you live longer, but can actually make you feel a whole lot better and a whole lot better very quickly. My third tip is for those with mild symptoms. Go get your thyroid checked, lose weight if it's possible, and if you have problems with your nasal passages like a deviated septum, get them fixed. And finally, for those people who have sleep apnea, they're probably asleep. Wake up. That's it for today's podcast. If you have questions you want me to answer, send them to housecalldoctor at quickanddirtytips.com or call area code 206 337 You can find me on Twitter at HousecallDoc and you could join the frolics on Facebook under my page, The House Call Doctor. And don't forget to visit my blog, Musings of a Distractible Mind at distractible.org. Let me remind you that this podcast is for informational purposes only. My goal is to add to your medical knowledge and translate some of the weird medical stuff you hear so that when you do go to your doctor, your visits will be more fruitful. I don't intend to replace your doctor. He or she is the one you should always consult about your own medical condition. Catch you next time. Stay healthy. <laughs>